0: And welcome everyone to the 1201 Sports Podcast. Today, we're going to have another solo pod with your host, Jake Brier. Um Today, we're going to go over what happened in the college football playoff, kind of look ahead to the LSU-Clemson matchup, and maybe touch on the NFL a little bit if we can. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. So guys, as you can tell by that very, very short intro, um, I'm not too prepared today. As I told uh, Coach Ange, I had about 2,000 words typed up across four pages. I was going to give you guys some great stats today. It was going to be a great solo pod, and I left it at work. So we're going to kind of fly by the seat of our pants here. No computer, no nothing going off the top of my head. Let's get it. So LSU, Oklahoma, right I know a lot of people are thinking, you know, Oklahoma didn't deserve to be there. You know, Big 12, that's fake football, blah, 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 blah. Look, this was a very improved Oklahoma defense for the conference that they played in. Jalen Hurts was easily the third best quarterback that had been there in the last three years, you know, having to come after Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Both won the Heisman and both went number one overall in the draft. Okay, that's a tall task for anyone. Okay. Okay. The offensive line that was blocking for him missed four guys that went into the NFL last year. Okay, their their only returning starter is their best offensive lineman this year, Creed Humphrey. But one person does not an offensive line make. You know, go ask Coach Ange that. He knows that. And also, this is a team who had a running back suspended. They had a starting defensive end suspended. A starting safety who broke his collarbone. You know, their star linebacker got banged up very early into the game, and they also lost a defensive back on arguably the dirtiest hit I've ever seen in a football game. Uh, That's very uncalled for, and I'm really glad that they threw the flag on that after the review. We need to get dirty crap like that out of the game. All in all, this was an Oklahoma team who not only was not very equipped to handle LSU, they also didn't change. Um, I heard on another podcast I listened to, uh, they do this film room broadcast. I know guys like Lewis Riddick and whatnot, a lot of ESPN talking heads who really know their football stuff. um, They're on it. Uh, They watch the games and they give their insight on it. You know, they're guys in football. So a lot of what they were really frustrated about was that Oklahoma wasn't changing. Like they weren't dropping their safeties back to cover on the deep routes Uh, A lot of what they did, you know, you didn't hear Jamar Chase's name very often, is I think they tried to bracket him. You know, other teams have tried it this year to a little success. You know, there's a reason that Jamar Chase is going to be a top 10 pick next year. Um, You know, but Justin Jefferson on these deep routes, they don't have a slot guy that can cover Justin Jefferson, okay? He's one of the best receivers on this LSU team. He's going to be a first-rounder this year in the draft, book it. Um, And he had a field day. You know, there's nothing that Oklahoma could have done to change that could have stopped anything, and on top of that, they didn't try anything, so uh, it just wasn't a good day for Oklahoma. However, I'm going to go on a slight tangent here. Something this should prove, however, is that we shouldn't have automatic bids in the playoff, and hopefully this shuts everyone up about a 6 or 8 team playoff. I know everyone is very inclusive with the idea of a six-team playoff. You know, you get these automatic bids and an at-large or with an eight-team. You can get some of these group of five teams in. Go back and watch that LSU-Oklahoma game. And if you think, well, it's a blowout, it's boring, Jake, I'm not going to go watch that again. That's my point, okay? What do you think would have happened to UCF if they would have played one of the top teams? What do you think would have happened to Memphis this year if they would have played LSU? Okay, a lot of the same. There were a clear top three in college football this year. There's normally a clear top two or three every year, okay? And that fourth seed is kind of just because four is a round number, okay? After Ohio State upset Alabama in 2014, you know, that was the only four to ever beat a one seed in the college football playoff, the number one seed has beaten the fourth seed by an average of 15 points every year, okay? And especially these last two years have just been awful games, Okay? There's always a top upper echelon in college football, and that's not going to change. You know, adding more teams might make it exciting for the viewer, but it's not really going to help anyone get, like, it's the best team's not going to win that way, okay? Like, you're not, by adding more teams, it's not going to make it better. That's all I'm trying to say. So sorry for going off on a tangent. We're going to head back to LSU now. Um, there's really not, nothing more I can say about Joe Burrow He's an absolutely incredible talent, and he's going to go number one overall in the draft for a reason. Um, he's the only quarterback in college football history to have over 5,000 passing yards, over 50 touchdowns, and a quarterback rating over 200. That is incredible. Only two men have done that ever. He is one, and the other, you know, I'm going to drop this little tidbit here, is Tua this year. You know, it's a shame his season ended too early. Could have seen those two really duke it out. Um, Justin Jefferson had a great day. You know, like I talked about it, Oklahoma's defense wasn't changing, and Joe Burrow was extremely content throwing up a 50-50 ball to a guy who was definitely coming down with it more than 50% of the time. Um, The backup running backs, they stepped up in Clyde's absence. You know, Clyde got a couple touches, but Chris Curry um, definitely stepped in. Most often the forgotten man in this backfield, you know, was probably fifth on the depth chart at the beginning of the year and showed out in his one game to shine here when LSU needed him most. That offensive line is incredible. They did go down uh, Damian Lewis, starting right guard in the game. Uh, from everything I've heard, uh, he had ankle surgery in high school, kind of aggravated that injury, but he should be back and ready for the national championship. So uh, on the defensive side, guys were flying around on the ball, and you know this should squash any of you out there who worry about bulletin board material, Okay. Remember, Justin Jefferson came out before the Alabama game and straight up said we beaten Bama. And what happened? They beat Alabama. Okay? Patrick Queen came out and said, "Yeah, you know, they're not that good. We should handle them." You know, I think it was Jamar Chase. He came out and said, "Yeah, they got, they got some DBs that are slow." And everyone was worried, freaking out, "Oh no, you can't give them bulletin board material for the playoffs." LSU beat them by 35. Okay? Just shut it about the bulletin board material. It doesn't matter. Talent and great coaching is going to prevail every time. And that's what you got with this LSU team. Six top ten victories. Um, If they do end up beating Clemson in the national championship, that'll be seven. Um, Honestly, I don't know if that's a record. I didn't really stat check that, but um, I will give you uh, a really cool stat that I did some research on about number one overall picks when we get to that. but uh, Now for the Clemson-Ohio State game. Okay, what this game really came down to, um, like Jacobin mentioned in our group me, Ohio State did let Clemson stay around way too long and they're way too talented to just not bite back whenever they got the chance. Ohio State had 10 plays, 10 offensive plays. You know, I'm not counting the field goals. They had 10 offensive plays in the red zone and they came away with nine points. Clemson had three plays in the red zone and came away with seven points. Those were, they had way too many wasted opportunities, did Ohio State. You know, Justin Fields had a really good day. J.K. Dobbins ran all over Clemson. I mean, that offensive line for Ohio State was having their way with the Clemson defense. Um, you know, they had another great day spreading out the ball, exactly like you want to draw it up for Ohio State. But they just couldn't punch it in in the red zone. And with three minutes to go, you have arguably one of the best quarterbacks in college football. You have a great running game and an offensive line that has dominated the Clemson defensive line the entire game. And with three minutes to go, you don't trust your team to get four yards at the Clemson 39? That was the play of the game right there, folks. Ohio State goes ahead and punts. And yes, it's the perfect result. They give Clemson the ball at what, four? You know, it works out until Clemson goes down and scores on a 96-yard drive. you If your offense can't get four yards in a game you've been dominating the entire time, then don't show up. It's as simple as that. Clemson showed up, however. Uh, maybe not <laughs> as early as they wanted, but you know Clemson goes down 16-0 to start the game um, and then comes firing back with two really big plays. That's really what it was for Clemson in this game. A lot of really big plays by their great players. Um, They did lose T. Higgins early in the game. He got kind of banged up, but he did come back. Um, Travis Etienne, every time he touches the ball, he looks like the fastest player in college football. And if that guy doesn't run a 4.2-something in the 40 um, this February at the Combine, then I don't know what speed is. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Again, another big whiff by the LSU program, Uh, Travis Etienne, but that boy is showing out. He's sh- making Louisiana proud. And Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, I've caught a lot of flack for saying this in the wake of Joe Burrow's historic season, but I think Trevor Lawrence is the most talented, again, that word, talented quarterback in college football. He can make any throw, and at six foot six, he shouldn't be able to move like that. You know, this guy is athletic, he can make any throw on the football field, and he's going to keep Clemson in any game, no matter what. Um, Again, they ran three plays in the red zone, scored seven points, really big plays from ETN. That's how you beat a team that's arguably more talented than you. you got to have big plays, and you got to step up. Um, Clemson blitzed the crap out of, Ohio, out of Ohio State, and not until really that last drive did Ohio State kind of catch on. You know, we're going to throw to our running back who no one is covering. Um, but in the end, those big plays for Clemson kind of won out. Um, that last play uh, – You know, there's kind of nothing you can do about that. Fields expected him to keep going. The guy wanted to break off into the corner. Um, Not really anybody's fault, just weren't on the same page. You know, and it sucks. It sucks that you have a great game like that in that way, but Clemson was in the right spot at the right time, and that's all you can really say about that. LSU-Clemson coming up. You know, I'm not going to exhaust, like I'm not going to beat this into the ground before the rest of the guys have a chance to come and say some stuff on it, but... Um, I'm really looking forward to that game. It's going to be a great game against two really talented teams, a lot of first-round picks flying around the football field. My interesting stat that I did want to give for this game coming up, you know, it's the only – I'm not going to go too much into it, but this will be the first time – you know, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. This is the first time that the back-to-back number one overall picks will be playing against each other in college since the 1999 Outback Bowl. Okay, that was Penn State versus Kentucky. Um, Kentucky had the number one overall pick that year in Tim Couch, whereas Penn State had the number one overall pick the very next year. Uh, their defensive end, whose name is escaping me. Now, it is on that piece of paper back at work, but you know there's nothing I can do about that now. Uh, 2020, number one overall pick Joe Burrow coming up. We'll be facing off against the 2021 number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence. Um, two of the best quarterbacks in college football, having some of the best seasons ever really um, it's gonna be an incredible game and I cannot wait now I did promise uh, I would touch on the NFL some you know it's something that we've been neglecting here at Twelve One sports but trust me guys one of our 2020 resolutions is to talk about the NFL more I know some of our listeners especially Jonah really care for the NFL and we want to please our listeners you know uh, Jonah's gotten in touch with us through social media, or maybe it was our Group Me app, um, please reach out to us at 1201Sports on Twitter and Instagram, I think, or at least those two, but search for us anywhere you have social media. At 1201Sports, we'd love to hear from you and love to know what you want to hear. Um, before I touch on any bit of the playoffs, I'm just going to get this out there right now. Saints fans, stop complaining about the refs. I understand we got screwed against the Rams, but this game in San Francisco and Seattle, we did not get screwed. Okay, Go back and watch that play. I know all of you are whining about the pass interference. Go back and watch it. Jacob Hollister runs his route directly at Fred Warner, the linebacker for San Francisco. That's exactly how he's taught. If you run at, a, at the man's feet, he doesn't know which way you're going, and you're going to tie him up, and you're going to get separation. You know how you don't get separation? is when you run your route right at the man and lock up. Like you're ready to block him into the goalpost. Okay? Jacob Hollister locks up with him, creating illegal contact, you know, and then immediately breaks off and just turns around. And literally all Fred Warner can do is turn around to see Russell Wilson and have the helmet and have the football go off of his helmet. So it was an awful route, you know, designed. I don't know what the heck Hollister was doing, you know, that was never going to get separation. Fred Warner's head was turned, so exactly like you teach it, and Russell Wilson made a bad throw that went off the defender's helmet. It was a great no call, and the last thing I want to do is have a referee decide, you know, playoff seating in a big game like that. You know, Saints fans should know that the last thing you want is a referee to stick his nose or not stick his nose in an area that it doesn't belong and decide a game, okay? And the very next the very last play of the game i don't know if anyone's complaining about it or not the ball didn't get in okay and there was nothing on that review that showed that it did so let's cut the complaining out saints fans we went 13 and 3 we got the three seed you know it's a very winnable ball game against minnesota saints opened up as eight point favorites i see no reason why we can't stomp minnesota you know uh dalvin cook is probably going to be back healthy you know, they are getting a lot healthier in Minnesota, but it's the dome. It's the playoffs. It could arguably be the last time Drew Brees suits up for the Saints. So um, I definitely think they're going to show up and they're going to ball out. Now, um, Seattle and Philly on the other side of the NFC bracket. Philly is so banged up right now. Uh, Brandon Brooks did separate his shoulder. That's their starting right guard. And their starting right tackle, Lane Johnson, does have a high ankle sprain. Um, That's absolutely terrible for them, you know, while also they're missing their number one receiver, Alshon Jeffrey, and their number two receiver, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Miles Sanders did also sprain his ankle in the week 17 game they just played. So it'll be really interesting to see how they overcome those odds. Um, You know, it's pretty easy to beat the Giants when you're pretty hobbled. It's pretty easy to beat the Cowboys. You know, I got to get my little dig in there. Um, It's pretty easy to beat weak teams when you're hobbled by injuries. I don't think they can do that against Seattle. I think Seattle goes on the road. They're playing really good football. Um, can they turn around after the heartbreak of being one inch away from the two seed, somewhere like that? Um, the heartbreak of, you know, having to getting to host a divisional game, um, and now they're going on the road to Philly. If they can get over that, I easily see a scenario where they can whoop up on Philly. Over on the AFC side, Um, I know the 4-5 matchup is Houston versus Buffalo. You know, I really trust Deshaun Watson. I think he's a great quarterback in the NFL today. But without Will Fuller, that offense takes a step back, man. I don't get it. Um, You know, he takes the top off the defense. He's a big play waiting to happen. And without those big plays, it's hard to win. Um, Buffalo, you know, Josh Allen isn't playing that well. But he has improved. You know, and that defense for Buffalo is absolutely cold. If this was in Buffalo, I would definitely take Buffalo. But I think you're going to see a really low-scoring, like tough, grinded-out game between Houston and Buffalo. So I, that should be a really entertaining watch. Um, for the final wild-card game, we have New England hosting a wild-card playoff game for the first time since 2009. Um, really not the way they wanted to end their season. You know, Ryan fits magic. Might have played himself into a starting quarterback position in 2020. You know, especially if they do go with Tua Tagovailoa. Um, you know, they can sit him while he recovers from his hip injury. Let Ryan Fitzmagic win you a bunch of games. You know, it'd be awesome. But New England will be hosting the Tennessee Titans, who are playing some incredible football right now. This isn't the normal Tennessee Titans defense that we're used to seeing. You know, they have regressed a tiny bit, but at the same time. This Tennessee Titans offense, since moving away from Marcus Mariota, is one of the most efficient, if not the most efficient offense in the NFL right now. Um, Ryan Tannehill has been playing incredible football. Derrick Henry won the rushing title. um, And A.J. Brown has kind of broken apart from every other rookie wide receiver. Um, And they have an offensive line that does just enough. Um, This team has the recipe to knock off New England in the first round. Um, I don't think it happens, though. Um, but again, this is a new England team. That's probably one of the worst we've seen in a long time. Um, you know, moving forward, speculation, we'll play that game. Um, you know, new Orleans would have to go to green Bay. Um, and the current forecast shows that it's going to be a high of 28 that evening. So, um, new Orleans hasn't normally done well, uh, in cold temperatures and they're Oh, and seven on the road in their history in the playoffs, um, You know, this is not the best Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay team. You know, after Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, they really don't have many playmakers. Um, You know, the offensive line is kind of banged up. You know, the Saints, if they're ever going to get over that road playoff game hump, it's probably this one. Um, You know, I'm trying to find every reason to say that Drew Brees will be able to overcome it, but I fear that might be the last game that the Saints will ever see Drew Brees line up at quarterback. Um the other NFC matchup would be a rematch of San Francisco hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And last time I was in San Francisco, Seattle won. You know, Seattle was one inch away from sweeping the season series. I ultimately believe that the Seattle Seahawks go in and beat San Francisco. I just think they have their number and there's not a quarterback I really trust more, you know, maybe a hand, less than a handful of other guys than Russell Wilson. Uh, I truly believe he's one of the top three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I truly trust him to come in in the playoffs and squeak out a win. On the AFC side, it would be – let's see. Let's do that little math in our head. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with – went with with whoever. The lower seed is going to play against Baltimore. They're not going to win. Um, the higher seed will play against Kansas City. They're not going to win. I truly believe – let's see. That would be New England and Kansas City, right? Uh yeah, New England, this New England team is 100% not going in to Arrowhead and beating Kansas City. I think that highly of Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon either. In the AFC Championship game, that would be Mahomes versus Lamar. Look, Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback right now. Lamar has had the better season. They have their, the best rushing team, I think, in NFL history, I want to say, is Baltimore. Um, but I think Patrick Mahomes has just as much tricks in his bag that he'll squeak out a late, late victory and truly cement himself as the best quarterback in the game right now on the other side. Let's see. I think Seattle beats San Francisco green Bay and new Orleans is such a toss up. Um, You know, I'll go with green Bay. Um, I don't think the saints can get it done in cold temperatures. um, And I is on my side on that one. Um, Seattle would travel to green Bay. Seattle does not travel. Well, to the central time zone and further east I guess is how I would say that I don't think Green Bay I've, I don't think Seattle has beaten Green Bay In Lambeau since The last millennium Something like that I want to say 1999 You know that was on my stat sheet that I had for you um, So I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers pulls that out As much as I trust Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers is arguably my favorite quarterback ever uh, And I trust him a lot Especially in crunch time um, And the Super Bowl My Super Bowl pick right now I'll go with Kansas City, 34, Green Bay, 24. So that'll do it for us at 1201 Sports. You know, we're going to dive into a lot of these bigger matchups later on as they come along. I hope you enjoyed that little splash of NFL talk that we had there. If you did like it, be sure to let us know. Again, at 1201 Sports, anywhere you have social media. And while you're at it, if you can, if you have time, out of the kindness of your heart, a Christmas and New Year miracle and gift to, our, to yours truly, please go ahead and leave us a rating, review, whatever, a comment, however you, can, however you want, um, anywhere you listen to this podcast, You know whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're finding it, please let us know how you like it. You know, we want to fine-tune this product for you, our listeners. You know, we want to give you the best product that we can. Um, this is a hobby that we really enjoy, and we really value you as our listener um, who is, who's helping make this possible. You know, I hope you have a great 2020 resolution, uh, and I hope you stick to it like we all (laughs) kind of hope we do, whether it's losing a couple pounds, quitting a bad habit, or starting a new one, a new great habit. Um, um, For us at 1201 Sports, you know, I really hope we can cut out those ums that I keep throwing in there. That'll be my 2020 resolution, guys, quitting the ums to fill the dead space. So for us here at 1201 Sports, we hope you had a Merry Christmas. We hope you had a great New Year. Let's enjoy some great football to close out this season. Guys, at 1201 Sports, even when we're wrong, we're always right. Peace.